host. Come in, sit down. The podcast's about to start. This is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Requesting hand of God. Coming down. Mile 22. It's Mark Wahlberg's American summer action blockbuster that looks like explosion after explosion after explosion. But is there room for any story in all the booms? So your family is rich? We're comfortable. That is exactly what a super rich person would say. Australian comedy export Ronnie Chang has found his way to Hollywood for the film that is breaking records the world over in Crazy Rich Asians. Get away from my brother. Maybe keep that thing on the first mode, yeah? Science fiction is always cleverly telling us about our human relationships, and for the latest from the Stranger Things producers, it's even in the title, for kin. Have a guess who called here today? Henry Selbert. Hi. Well, you must have made a very good impression. And there's a new Australian rom-com called The Flipside, which stars one of the UK's most famous comedians of all time. Hello, hello, welcome. My name is Kyron Wheatley, and I haven't seen any of those movies, but you know who has? Vary McIntyre. Hello. And Michael Campbell. Hey. And our powers combined, we are captains, sift through these new releases before they've been released. It's a catchy <laughs> title. Our other power is to give away a Village Cinema's Gold Class Double Pass. That's a little bit later on, but first up. Failure is not an option. Forget him out. We saved millions of lives. I was watching Stephen Colbert's Late Show the other night and Mark Wahlberg was talking about his 27 Wahlberger burger shops. He's opening another 10 uh, this year. His reality TV show starring his mum and how he just bought, wait for this, a Chevy dealership in Ohio. So somehow amongst all that, he's found the time to produce and star in an unrelenting action summer blockbuster called Mile 22. But other than bang, 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 boom, rat-a-tat, tankity, tank, tank, what can we expect? Well, this is, uh, this is another collaboration between Mark Wahlberg and then Pete Berg. Uh, and they've worked together a couple of times and consistently they've been really good. Originally Lone Survivor a couple of years ago, then two in the same year in 2015, they had Deepwater Horizon and Patriot's Day. Really good, did you say? They, uh, yeah, yeah, I really liked Patriot's Day. I really liked that movie. You did really you know, liked like Patriot's it? Day? I did. I thought it was a good okay, movie. Okay, sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay. I thought it was just like a well done kind of docudrama it was like Americans are awesome. The end. I mean, that's Pete Berg movies. Yeah, that's okay. Mark Wahlberg. As long as you know that that's what you I mean. Lone Survivor's a bit the same. Deepwater Horizon's a bit the same. As and long as you're okay same? with a bit of oh yeah, as long as you're okay with a bit of America's great. Uh, <laughs> they're they're good. They're well constructed. Movies. So what's what's it actually about? It's about a special ops team. They've got an American embassy in Central Asia, and they are visited by a man who is claiming to be giving them information. He's like a rat for the, his government. He has some big information on a hard drive that's going to corrupt in a couple of hours. And he wants out of the country and they have to get him 22 miles out of the country. But the whole nation is trying to stop him from leaving. I think the real reason to go see this movie is Eco Weiss. And for people that don't know who he is, I encourage you to look up the movie The Raid and The Raid 2. Uh, they're some of the best martial arts films in maybe the last like 20 years. And he is the star of those movies. And he is kind of the modern equivalent to... Uh, maybe a Jackie Chan in that he does his own stunts, but he also coordinates all of his own fight scenes. Ah, he arranges them all and he's got his own stunt team that he works with. So you can kind of see the similarities. And he is kind of the real reason, I think, to go see this. The Mark Wahlberg will get people in, but I think the Eco Weiss is what people are going to talk about. There is one clip that I've seen of a fight scene in a hospital or an infirmary yes. inside the embassy yeah, yeah. that yeah. everyone's talking That's about. That's probably the highlight of the movie, at least for me, that yeah. was the highlight of the movie. It's... 
I like action scenes set in places that you don't expect, and an yeah. infirmary is a great one. The, using instruments that you wouldn't expect in a yeah, you know. using objects just lying around. Well, the, I think the thing with this scene is that he's handcuffed to the bed. To the bed, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So he has to beat these people without because exactly, he's handcuffed yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah, and also just in his little yeah little tidy whities which yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean can't complain. Send him to medical to see if he's who he says he is. What is your name? Lee Nur. Are you involved in acts of espionage? Yes. I have information that proves my government is planning an attack on the United States. You have no idea how evil my government is. Put me on a plane to the US and I'll give you everything. But you know who else is in it as well? John Malkovich and Ronda Rousey. And ah, the I wasn't MMA. Expecting them. Yeah, Ronda Rousey is the boxer, no. and maybe she's not doing mixed, so well mixed at Mixed martial arts, is that what it is? MMA, yeah. Okay, it's the so. one where you can do anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but she's also been in a couple of movies, and she does a really good job of it, obviously because they play special ops. and You mean like the dramatic the tactical, Yeah, really so the tactical oh. unit, and they've got guns, and there's a couple of really strong female characters, and she just looks real kick-ass. She really looks the part, plays it really well. Uh, there is something I noticed, and I don't know if it's a – it's probably not that well known, so I'll explain it. Have you ever heard of the the screenwriting concept of putting an eye patch on someone? The idea is if you have a character and maybe they're not that original, you put an eye patch on and people are like, oh, what's he got the eye patch? Where do you lose his eye? And it makes it more interesting. <laughs> and the, a lot okay. of characters in this are quote unquote wearing an eye patch. And Mark Wahlberg, uh, he's a very angry man. He's very uh, kind of short-fused, but he has this little yellow band on his wrist that he's always snapping. Yeah. And that's the way that he calms himself down. Like but, a little make-poverty-history band. <laughs> similar, but it, yeah. it, it kind of causes him pain. But that, to me, was like you've got this special ops all-American guy, and maybe that's not that unique. So they give him this one little thing. They put an eye patch on him. I don't think it's... Our re- audience well, is looking for a unique take on uh, American action hero in Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I mean, I don't think Maybe. there's anything doesn't he wrong. Just, doesn't he just do, like, terrifyingly confident? There, there is something that I, I wish was better in this film, which is the editing. Film? It, oh, it, the editing. The editing. <laughs> it, this thing is edited within an inch of its life. At one point, I started to count, and I didn't count a shot more than three seconds long. Yeah. It just snaps and snaps and snaps. And I think there's a, a difference in... American action cinema and Asian action cinema, and it's really evident. So you've got Eco Weiss, this guy that can do incredible martial arts, and he's his own stunt performer, and he works with his own team. And again, if you've ever seen any of his other films, you'll see what amazing things he can do. And American action cinema is normally edited to hide that people can't fight. So every time someone hits someone, the camera will cut, yeah. the camera will shake. They use that style on people that can fight, and it seems kind of pointless when you have people that can fight, that? I think pull it back, show what they're doing and don't hide it in the editing. To me, it, it it seemed like he didn't know how to fight as well as I know he does. Look, I don't think that's what they were going for. I think the intention was more to make the the feeling for the audience more frantic and more like this time pressure that they have to get this character to the airport 22 miles away and there's Russian mob is after them. There's the countries that they're in, the police are after them as well. There's like so many people. There's lots of gun shootouts, lots of people dying. So it's very frantic and they're under a lot of pressure. So I think the way they've edited it makes this sense of like this frantic things are all happening at once. There's like three storylines happening, three different characters, and they cut them all together. So it does 
it does feel like it's cobbled, but I think that's the intention to make you feel a certain way when you're watching it. But we discussed last week or the week before for Mission Impossible how much, Camber, you'd like to know what's going on in Geography. Yeah. I like geography <laughs> yeah. in action, yeah. And it's not just me. It's actually something, and I mentioned just before, Jackie Chan is very big on. He said uh, American movies, they, they will try and confuse you yeah. to, to mm, make sure that. That, that you can't really see what's going on. And he said, when I make movies in China, I get a big wide lens and I, I set it there. And it's not that it has to be, you know, locked off. It can, it can be yeah. handheld. But you need to see where people are. You need to see what's going on. A lot of people are dressed the same in this movie. So when you've <laughs> got everyone, dr- when you got everyone dressed the same, and the camera's shaking around and it's cutting so much, it it gets a little confusing. And I really wish, with the talent that they have, they had have just pulled back a little. And it's it's very much in the Paul Greengrass Bourne movie style. You're going up against this country's elite tactical squads. I need them back right now. No one ever enters a war thinking they will lose. But one side is always wrong. I'm going to give you some advice. You ready? Stop. Who should see this film? I think if you're interested in those bunch of movies I mentioned earlier, like Patriot's Day, uh, Deepwater Horizon, and Lone If you're an American. If you're an American, if you don't mind a bit of that. Or if you're a big fan of the Raid movies, uh, check this out. Yeah, if you want to see just a cool action sequence and you want to see some martial arts and you just want a really big car chase and lots of guns. The Nick you're dating is Nick Young? Yeah, you guys know them or something? Hells yeah. They're just the biggest developers in all of Singapore. Damn, Rachel. It's like the Asian Bachelor. These people aren't just rich. They're crazy rich. You really should have told me that you're like the Prince William of Asia. That's ridiculous. Much more of a Harry. There's already a sequel in the works because Crazy Rich Asians is the first major studio film to feature a predominantly Asian cast in decades. Beat out Mile 22 and others to win the box office on its opening weekend with $25 million and is the first romantic comedy to do that in three years. So yeah, they're making another one. But what's the first one about? So this follows Rachel Chu, who is a Chinese-American and she's been dating this really hot guy called Nick Young for about over a year now. He invites her back to Singapore for his best friend's wedding. And then Rachel finds out that his family is like super, super duper rich. Like the name of the film. And she basically has to fight for her right to be there and to be accepted by the family. I think with this movie, there's two things you need to talk about. They go together, but you should talk about them separately. One is the importance of the film because it's something worth noting, something worth discussing. And then there's the quality of the film as well. Because I think it's it's a very important film in, in with movies like Black Panther and Wonder Woman, it's really another big step forward but for people representation. Of, people often say important when they can't say good. But this is both, right? But, That's but, what I've heard, that but, this is both. Well, yeah. what, what I'm seeing is like the 98% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> to me, it, it just felt like another rom-com. You know, I don't think the material necessarily elevated from a story point of view. It, it felt like a rom-com to me. But I can see that just having a rom-com with this kind of cast and with this kind of importance is a good thing. So you don't think it's just a rom-com? It wasn't as like this sappy love story that you normally get with Hollywood love stories. I, it's like See, I disagree. Yeah, well, I feel like the story is like Cinderella. It's got that theme, but she's already got Prince Charming and she's gone to the castle to meet the parents, mm-hmm. basically. Um, so it's less like about... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like way hotter outfits. Yeah. And the main plot is more about the individual people right. rather than the love story. So even though it is a rom-com, there's elements of both, but it's more about the the individual journey between Rachel and Nick rather than 
them having a relationship and being all yeah, lovey-dovey. Yeah, you're right. It's, not, it's not like you've got mail or yeah. anything like that. And, yeah, you're completely right. My, so I guess my problem is the, the problems the characters faced weren't particularly big problems. They're very superficial problems. I just I wanted a little bit more depth from it, I suppose. It's a very superficial movie to me, and it's not to say that it's not a, a well-made movie and not a well-acted movie. It is. I just felt like it started to become a little style over substance and that it's shot beautifully. It's, it's put together beautifully. Henry Singapore Golding looks amazing. Topless in it heaps. I'm I know. Sure. And you know, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a very good looking man. I'll get yeah. to that later. I have a whole point on him. <laughs> Mom, this is Rachel Chu. She just thinks you're some like unrefined banana. No, no, no. Uh, those are a few fingers. Yellow on the outside or white on the inside. Do some crazy. I chose to raise a family. For me, it was a privilege. But for you, you may think it's old fashioned. Don't you want Nick to be happy? I know you're not what Nick needs. She's like trying to play a game of chicken with me, thinking I'm gonna swerve like a chicken. But you can't swerve. You gonna roll up and be like, bok bok, bitch. Okay, maybe like not as aggressive. Searching Some is a film that's coming out next week that we're gonna talk about. Um, starring John Cho, and it's like a thriller starring an Asian-American actor. That's not common. This film, Crazy Rich Asians, obviously predominantly starring Asian cast members. Is representation in Hollywood, like is Hollywood finally getting the message? Is it actually changing? Yeah, I think they're doing a really important job at having more representation on screen. And even though I think this film is going to be aimed at a wider audience for a lot of different cultures to appreciate, I think an Asian audience might get a deeper appreciation out of some of the aspects in the film. Like there's a lot of scenes about the importance of the the family making food, all these traditional dishes and stuff, which I can appreciate from an outside perspective, but someone of an Asian background might have a a deeper understanding of. Yeah, absolutely. To, To just kind of put a cap on how rare a film like this is being made, especially with Constant Wu in the lead. We talked last week about female representation, how it went up from 11% to 36% in a year. However, since 2007, representation has barely budged. So last year, 33 of the top 100 starred uh, women as the protagonist, but only four of those films had a woman that wasn't white. So the fact that you've got Constant Wu leading this film is rarer than you think it is. And that's a sad thing to say. This is so crucial because you can't you can only be what you can see, right? If you're growing up an Asian girl in America, in Australia, wherever, and there are no Asian women in leads in films, then the idea that you could ever be in a movie is not going to strike you as a 10-year-old, as a 12-year-old. I think I saw an interview with the actors saying how important that was, especially Okofina was saying that when she was growing up and Constance Wu in the theatre, uh, it's a lot different. There is Asian cinema, there's theatre and things like that that don't have such a spotlight on them and representation isn't such an issue because there is a wider range of actors. But it's it's very specifically about Hollywood and Western film where this is the issue. I'd love that the producers and the directors backed it because when they finished the movie, Netflix came to them and said, yes, please, we will absolutely take this and we'll give you a deal where you can make the next film and the film after that and the film after that. It was all laid out in front of them for them, right? And they said... No, we want to go to the red carpet. We want this to be a cinematic release. We want to have the cameras, the media, the the press, the, the international discussion about this. It can't just go on screens on your television at home. It's got to be a main film. Yeah, he even described it as life-changing money. 
that he that he had to turn down. He said it would have set me up, and I wouldn't have had to do anything else. And I think, yeah, there's like what tenacity to to be able to do something like that. And there was even reports when it was first being pitched around Hollywood. There was a, a producer that Kevin Kwan said he wouldn't name that said, "Wouldn't it be more interesting if Rachel Chu was actually a white woman? Then you can see the difference in the culture." They said, "No, yeah. it's not the point of the story." <laughs> yeah, but they they. That was back kind of, he said it was roughly when Scarlett Johansson was in Ghost in the Shell. So it was seen as like a thing that could be done. So good on them for sticking to it and not kind of letting up. So Oliver, are you cousin too? Mm. Well, I'm one of the poor Haitians, the rainbow sheep of the family. <laughs> but I make myself useful. Whatever the youngs want, I procure. Golden koi fish, Hongwali furniture, a rare Cambodian gong. Why would they want to buy a rare Cambodian gong? Because they can. Well, it was based on some hugely successful novels and the producers decided that they, you know, they were going to make this. They wanted to do it right. They went hunting. They went hunting for their leading man, saw a lot of actors, and then an accountant told them about a TV presenter that they'd seen in Singapore. Yeah, Henry Golding. Uh, It's his first film role. He's never acted before other than some TV presenting. And afterwards, I had to look him up. But he was a travel host on National Geographic. Right. It's so weird. And not only that, but he's also popped up. We watched, and we'll talk about it in a week or two, A Simple Favourite. He pops up in that, and he's great in that too. What about Ronnie Chang? He's an Australian comedian who had his own television show. He was all across our screens before we lost him to The Daily Show in America. He pops up in this. Look, honestly, he's not in it that much. I think if you're going in wanting a Ronnie Chang movie, you might be a little bit disappointed. Uh, There is other Australian talent, though. Uh, Chris Pang. The guy that plays the best friend getting married uh, is an Australian. He was in the Tomorrow When the War Began. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. So there is some good Aussie talent other than Ronnie Chang, who's he's in a couple of scenes. Which here one is and there. he? He's one of the Bachelor's friends that's at the Bachelor party. He, he only pops up kind of once or twice, makes a joke or two. A bit of comic relief, yeah. Who should see this film? You know what this is good at is escapism. This is like lifestyle envy that you're going to see. It reminds me a bit of the Entourage movie where it's like it, they're showing you this lifestyle and if that's the kind of thing you're into and you, you're, you want to see Singapore, which looks beautiful, you want to see some beautiful people, beautiful locations, then I think this is a movie. Yeah, it's got vibes of those Real Housewives shows. And so if you enjoy those, if you want a good laugh, if it's just a feel-good movie, heartfelt funny it's got everything there's a bit of like emotion in it with the family values and yeah it's just an all-round like feel-good film if you want to have a good laugh i just love that with henry golding we a new podcast within a fortnight can cover a man's entire filmography (laughs) that is impressive isn't it Also in cinemas this week, some sweary Muppets with Happy Time Murders. Yeah, don't take your kids to that one. The Book Club. About some older ladies who read Fifty Shades of Grey. That's right. And Slender Man, another horror. Don't take your kids to that one either. In case you missed it, you can check out those reviews on last week's episode. Just click through uh, in the buttons. Is it previous? Press previous. Give it a go. (laughs) You'll figure it out. You've used a phone. If I'm hard on you, it's because the world is hard. You've seen that. And I just need you to stay out of trouble, okay? Oh, my God.
There's all different kinds of sci-fi films coming out this year. You've got comic book adaptions like Transformers and Venom. You've got James Cameron, Perfect Future, $100 million 3D mega movies. And then you have a production house called 21 Laps. They make movies about characters that just happen to be a little bit science fiction. Arrival, Stranger Things, The Darkest Minds. They're known for making these incredible genre films that sink you into a world and talk about the human's within them. Do they fulfill their mission with Kin? Yeah, this is very 21 laps, if that can become a phrase, you know. Yeah. Like how certain production companies have a certain aesthetic, they've very much got theirs. So this is, and they've, you'll see it on every poster from the producers of Stranger Things, yeah. as was The Darkest Minds a few weeks ago. I would say this has a much stronger Stranger Things vibe to it. Uh, whereas The Darkest Minds was a little bit more dystopian young adult novel. This is very much that Stranger Things throwback human sci-fi i know stranger things are a little more uh supernatural and this is a little more extraterrestrial even the similarities are kind of spooky even you know the young kid is the lead uh, a pair of twins directed it like the twins the duffer brothers direct really? stranger things the baker brothers directed uh this they've both come from a short film background well this is based on a short film called Bagman. Uh, in, and it, it translates pretty well to the plot of the movie, but a, a young kid finds this extraterrestrial weapon uh, and he doesn't know what to do with it and he kind of hides it in, in a bag, hence the bag man. However, in the movie, it's expanded. He's also got a brother fresh out of prison who owes a lot of money to some gangsters and they kind of go on the road trying to escape these gangsters but armed with an extraterrestrial rifle. Is it any good? I am a fan of science fiction. It's like one of my favourite genres. And I really think they could have amped it up a bit more. I know you're talking about how the point, the introspection of these sorts of movies is the human connection and there's a element of sci-fi. Um, but whereas with Stranger Things, as we were talking about, and, and Darkest Minds, where it's sci-fi is more in the front, sci-fi in this film is more in the back. And it kind of feels like, uh, is it a family drama? Is it a road trip? Is it a sci-fi? It's a lot of different genres. And I think they could have amped up the, the alien-esque genre. I think if something's just one genre, it can become tired. And the way to kind of reinvent is to think, well, what doesn't go together of a drama, road trip and sci-fi? And you, you're right. It's a little uneven at times where the sci-fi goes away for a little bit and then comes back. Um, there m could have been more integration. But I think that the fact that this is a kind of like a fresh new idea that's molding two things I never would have thought of is kind of something that should be appreciated. I feel like overall it's a prologue to a bigger story and I hope they do more. I think they could have pushed the envelope a bit more with this because it did feel just like a huge setup, like the movie was one big setup to a bigger story that I would be very interested in seeing. I want you to be careful around him. Welcome home, my man. I know I owe you guys some money. I just wanted you to know I'm not dodging you. Oh. Let him go. The hell's that thing? So we've got the gangsters. The head of that is James Franco, who does his very 
obvious <laughs> role of the bad guy, and he, he does is, a good job. He is chewing some but... scenery in this film, <laughs> and he looks like he's mean? having a great time. Like he chewing the scenery is the kind of like the metaphor for you know they're so into it and they're so distracting that they're literally chewing the scenery. He just swings for it in this movie. Do you just he's make up a... these sayings? No, they, just, these are sayings. So many. Yeah. These are film sayings. <laughs> okay, whatever. Well, I did see. Uh, sh- is it Sean Levy or Sean sh- Levi? Sh- I, I always say Levy. Right. But you know what? I've never checked it. <laughs> well, he has said that there there are potentially more films in the mix, but what he prefers to do is make a good film, and if more films come from it, then thank you. That then that, that's that is great. how it should be done. Mm. You look at stuff like uh, the Dark Universe with the Mummy. They had already set up five films before they realized that film didn't work. Yeah, they took the whole cast photo with all the people. Yeah, and you know what it was? The Mummy, an old entity, generations yeah. old. Whereas Twenty One Laps. They keep making original movies. They keep making original ideas, which doesn't seem to happen in this Hollywood of today. And and you even talked about it feeling kind of like set up for something and you want to see something bigger. Mm. If I was a betting man, I would say it's budgetary reasons. They couldn't afford it. And their plan would be if this is a success, then they can do that bigger story they always wanted to do. So aside from the band members of Mogwai, who should see this movie? Uh, If you like that kind of gritty, realistic sci-fi, or even if you're a fan of Stranger Things, I think this is a good fit for you. I think a young adult audience would enjoy this one. Perhaps not my cup of tea, but if you like that science fiction with a good family drama. Sort of like The Darkest Minds from a few weeks back. Yeah. You invited the man who smashed your heart to smithereens for a pyjama party? For some reason, Australian audiences run from Australian cinema. They hear Home and Away actor and think, bugger that. But you know what? That home and away actor is a graduate from Amy Poehler's improv school UCB in New York, and he's in a film that attracted British comedy legend Eddie Izzard, playing opposite one of our best comedy actresses, Emily Tahini, with supporting cast including Susie Yusuf, and you simply can't turn on a television and not see her at the moment. So shouldn't audiences be turning around and grabbing tickets to this one? Yeah, I really think we should be supporting Australian cinema. And I have a personal connection to this one just because it was filmed in my hometown of Adelaide. So I was seeing a lot of scenes, a lot of places, and I was like, oh, I know that. That's great. Like, you don't see a lot of that as an Australian. You don't see your hometown on the screen. So that was really cool for me. Uh, This movie is a romantic comedy uh, about Ronnie, who's quite happy with her boyfriend, Jeff. Um, but her long-lost ex, Henry, played by Eddie Izzard, comes back into her life with a new French girlfriend, Sophie. And there's a series of awkward circumstances where the two couples end up going on a road trip together. And Ronnie is maybe tempted to reignite the old flame. You know what? It's nice to see an Australian film that isn't just bleak and depressing. Yeah. <laughs> like they all yeah. seem to be. Uh, no long shots of the landscape yeah. at dawn in this the, one. The last Aussie film I think I remember seeing was Cargo, yep. which was a post-apocalyptic zombie movie about a man trying to save his baby. Yeah. So you know what? <laughs> a road trip. Why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's got a lot of uh, Australian things in it, obviously, not just the scenery, not just the accents, um, but the humour as well. And what was interesting I think about this one was a largely female crew the director as well, Marion Pulowski. So really good female representation for Australian film in this. Yeah, she's normally a producer as well. I think this is her first feature film. I think as well there's a lot of 
maybe Adelaide specific jokes, there were some jokes that you were laughing at that <laughs> yes. I didn't get. <laughs> yeah, I pre-laughed a couple of times. There's this one scene where, because Ronnie really doesn't like the the new girlfriend of her old flame, and she suggests they go on the this river cruise to see dolphins in Port Adelaide. And anyone from Adelaide knows that's like basically a shipyard and like a swamp. So apart from people from Adelaide, who should see this film? <laughs> if you want something a bit lighter and still want to support Australian cinema, then, you know, this this is the only one. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to offend anyone. It's just a light-hearted comedy. For your chance to win a Village Cinema's gold-class double pass, perhaps to see crazy rich Asians, go to Facebook or Instagram. You can leave a comment on the Cinema Crew post answering the question, what's the most awkward family situation you've found yourself in, perhaps with the in-laws at Christmas, that sort of thing? Leave your comment on the post with the hashtag the Cinema Crew. Next week, is there anything scarier than the Catholic Church? We'll be talking about a new shocker with the nun. With a wily beard and a gross, honestly gross ponytail, Joaquin Phoenix's new film picked up Best Actor and Best Screenplay in Cannes. So we'll be chatting new crime thriller, You Were Never Really Here. Nothing gets me angrier than those stupid conversion therapy schools trying to get kids not to be gay. (laughs) So I'm ready to really hate some of the characters in The Miseducation of Cameron Post. Until then, thanks, Cambo. Thank you. Thanks, Vari. Thanks. I'm Kyron Wheatley, and that was the four-and-a-half-star podcast that is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. Four and a half stars. I thought five would be too much.